Hi everyone. Uh, today's episode is one that is has kind of been giving me like not nightmares, but it has not made it easy to sleep every time I've done research on it. And this episode is quite late, if I do say so. But today's episode will be on the myth of the Wendigo, and it is a quite terrifying myth if I already said it but yeah it is a very like not so easy myth to do research on in my opinion because it is my favorite myth but it is still horrific and so I'm gonna pause this really quick take a sip of coffee and reread over my notes so that I have an idea of what I'm saying Okay, so before we get into the episode, uh, I'm going to do my usual recap that I do. Uh, I wrote down some stuff to say because I I would have forgotten about it if I didn't write it down. But the day that I was supposed to do the research, like get the research done with and then like upload the video, I my friend was supposed to come over, but she didn't like text me back until like after it was pretty late in the day and I decided that I was just gonna do research and upload it later in the week but she texted me and said that she wasn't feeling good this is a different friend than that time before whenever we were doing the I think it I think it was the one with the conjuring I'm not sure I think it was that one though but yeah she couldn't make it to that one because she couldn't make it because she was feeling bad She feels better now, but, yeah. Uh, then on Friday, my friend Sierra came over, and we were, I was, like, helping her with some stuff, and we got some coffee, or we got some Dunkin', we're quite basic in that aspect, but we were hanging out, and then my mom texts me and tells me that this woman that I, I feed this woman's horses that lives down the street from me and her property is huge but my mom texts me and tells me that this woman's husband left their dog like he's she said that they left Ezra out and I'm thinking well how do they leave a horse out in their yard they don't they didn't leave a horse out in their yard they left a dog Somehow, he forgot their dog. And so, me and Sierra had to go down and find it. And we found it several times, but it kept running off. And we were down there for, like, an hour, maybe, hour and a half. And we texted my mom, and or called her, and we said that we were done. Because it was getting late, I was getting attacked by bugs, and I was sweating, and, she was about, and Sierra was about to go home. My mom and her sister found the dog, but they weren't able to catch it. So, I don't know if they ever caught the dog. Probably not feeding there again. It, it is what it is. Hope the dog's okay. But I would not want to see it ever again because it kind of made me mad searching for it. Um, yeah.
Okay, sorry for the, like, abrupt break, but I had to look at my notes and see what else I had, I, like, was gonna mention and stuff, but, um, I still have plans for a YouTube channel, and actually tomorrow, uh, if I get all my homework done and stuff, because I'm still in high school, but if I get all my work done tomorrow, me and Sierra are actually gonna go out and look for a job application for me and we're gonna fill it out. I want to apply to this one place, but I'm not gonna like set my eyes on that place because you know, you don't need to. You don't need to set your eyes on one place. It's good to do that, but it's good to like leave your options open. Um, this is gonna be another break. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Okay, again, sorry, I had to look at some notes because, like, I felt like I was missing some things that I had written down to discuss, but, yeah. Um, one thing that I did forget to say at the very beginning is that I think it was Sunday, yeah, I think it was Sunday, that my mom was working out upstairs. We have this, like, workout equipment upstairs, and I position my TV sometimes to face the door because I do home, I do my homework um, in this desk that's in the corner by my door. And so I position the TV that way sometimes. But like I had turned the TV off. I was watching Annabelle create or Annabelle comes home that morning. And I turned the TV off, but my mom was working out and like, I don't think she was wearing earbuds. I'm not sure, but she comes down and tells me that I need to turn my TV off. And I'm like, but it was off. And she's like, yeah, it turned on by itself, which is a little weird. I'm guessing that it just glitched out because it's sort of a smart TV. Like, it's not voice command or anything. But it, like, still uses Wi-Fi. I don't know. But it was just really weird. But when I went upstairs, it was off. So that's one weird occurrence that happened. Also, I wrote down to warn that this is going to be all over the place because it very well might be because of all these little bubbles that I have in my notes. Um, so I will try to keep it as in order as possible, but there's a very good chance that it's not going to be as neat. And I'm not really worried about it being neat since I'm just starting off with this podcast thing. But I do want to warn before I get much further into the podcast that there will be some disturbing content and if there are any listeners that are under the age of like I guess 13 I'll say you might not want to listen by yourself because some of this stuff is quite disturbing but if you think that you can deal with it then I guess you're good um but I'm gonna finish I'm finishing with the intro and everything but I are I'm almost finished with the intro. I'm going to go over some like pop culture references of the Wendigo and then I'm going to go into like different theories. And then I'm going to say how they all correlate together and then after that I am going to read off some stories that I found on YouTube 
and I will link, or I'm not going to link the description or like the YouTube stuff because I don't know how to do that, but I will say them out loud and I will say them sort of slowly and like spell them out in case you want to like watch the videos. But yeah, and then I will obviously conclude because, you know, this podcast is probably, this episode is probably going to be like pretty long because the other podcast episodes had like 13-ish pages of notes and this one has about 24, so I'll try to make this as quick as possible. If that doesn't happen, I'm severely sorry that you have to stick around this long. Okay, I'm out of breath because I was just messing with my sister a minute ago. I took a long break. (laughs) But the first pop culture reference that I... This is going to be like a very short segment because it's like... It's not really the... It's not really an intro, but it's not uh, like the main podcast yet. But the first pop culture reference that I remember is... In Grimm. It was in a TV show called Grimm. Uh, it's like... There's not going to be any spoilers for Grimm. For those of you who are watching it or whatever. It's not running anymore. It's like... Been cancelled and whatnot back in 2017. But... It was in a brief episode... As like... A Vessen thing. It, you'll just have to watch the series if you want to know what those are. Because this is not that podcast. Um, the second pop culture reference that I know of is Supernatural. It was in one of the very first episodes of Supernatural, actually, uh, as just, like, another supernatural creature. That episode kind of actually, like, really scared me as a kid. I was, like, barely even a year old when it came out, so I didn't watch it when it came out. I watched it, like, a few years later, and I was, like, four, but it was still terrifying. And then it was, like, mentioned one more time in season eight of that show. Or in the eighth season of that show. It wasn't, like, shown or anything. It was just mentioned one more time. And the final, like, the last TV show that I know of that it's in is, like, the original Charm series. I did not get that far. I'm still in season one of the original Charm series. So I don't know what to say about it. Because I didn't really research it. And then it's in this video game. I want to say the video game's called from dusk till dawn or something hold on uh i'm gonna pause and resume and tell you what it is okay i just had a time with this app because i like i left to go look up the name of like the video game which is called until dawn and from videos that I've seen, it looks good. I've never personally played it, so I couldn't tell you what it's about. Besides that it apparently has, like, a Wendigo in it. But I left, and, like, YouTube wasn't really loading, because that's where I saw the, like, thing on. But, yeah. And then, like, it finally did load, and my friend called, and that was weird, because, like, my voice wasn't going through, but hers was, so. Yeah. Anywho, uh, I just, like, looked at my podcast, and it was, like, not letting me add anymore to the episode, 
And so when I went to record more, it said there's nothing in this episode yet. So I was getting really confused. And then when I went to record a new episode, because I was just like, I wasn't going to tinker with it because I don't know how this app works. I was just like, okay, I'll just delete this episode and start another one. When I started another one, it saved the recording to the original episode. So that was quite confuzzling. But yeah, that is... that. (laughs) Wow. This is definitely going to be all over the place. Okay, so before I get into this episode, I just want to say that there are multiple different theories on as to what the Wendigo is. Um, I think I might have already said that. Again, this is going to be all over the place. But there's the theory that it is a spirit, a creature, and then the last one is that it's like a mental illness thing. Um, I just wanted to briefly touch that before I get further into this episode. Uh, yeah, so. Sorry if that was just like random, but... So, I recently did an essay on the Wendigo proving its existence for, like, English. It was supposed to be about conspiracy theories, but I chose a myth instead. I'm getting off track. Anyways, while I'm not trying to prove anything, I still learned some things about the myth of the Wendigo. This piece of information that I vividly remember is more generic towards all of the theories. Or, I mean, I guess it's generic towards all the theories. It just depends on how you look at it, I guess. The myth of the Wendigo was created by the Algonquin people of Northeastern America, slash Southern Canada region, that area. And I really apologize, I severely apologize if I'm mispronunciating that or mispronouncing that. Uh, All I have is, like, the spelling. Again, I've had internet issues, so it's not like I've been able to listen to the recording or, like, anybody saying it. But the myth stated that if one of the tribe or even a European settler were to eat another human, either out of desperation or starvation, they would become possessed and tortured into a creature that never would be satisfied with its food and would always hunger for more, for more human flesh. And that might not be like unsettling for a lot of people. If it's not, I'm a little concerned, but it is very unsettling for me because I personally don't like cannibalism. It's just not it for me. Um, but yeah. That is what I know, what I remember, and now we're going to get into the theories in just a little bit. I gotta take a break and drink some root beer. Okay, so before I get into the theories, I just want to mention that all of these theories are connected depending on how you look at them. And that will be mentioned in a separate part 
I will not be doing the, um, oh, hold on. Sorry, I had to do a little burp. But I won't be doing all of the, oh my god, I should not have drank that root beer. Hold on. I think it was a false alarm. Either that or throw-ups building up. That's a little TMI. I'm sorry. Um, the All the theories are connected. Blah, blah, blah. I already said that. I forgot what I was saying. So I'm just going to get into the like first theory. Uh, the first theory is that the Wendigo is a spirit. The theories of spirit possession and the mental illness can go hand in hand depending on what you hear. And I'll go into that later. But for now, I'm only going into the singular theories. I think I already said that. Yeah, I'm just reading what is written. Hope I said that right, because lately I've not been saying things right. Uh, The spirit theory. The explanation behind this theory is that when somebody were to commit a crime of cannibalism, they would become possessed by a cannibalistic spirit called the Wendigo. The spirit would then cause its victim to develop an insatiable hunger for meat, especially human flesh. There's another side to this theory. It's still, like, possession. Uh, the other side of this theory is that when somebody goes in, goes out into the woods with other people or even by themselves, they get possessed by a spirit of the Wendigo, and it causes them to become cannibals. They get possessed by the creature because they are weak from starvation and they're just not it so that was the first theory now if you can tell the theory pages are not the the pages that are taking up the most space but yeah that's the first theory i'm gonna take breaks in between each theory so that i can catch my breath because for some reason whenever i talk i run out of breath So before I get into the theories, I just want to mention that all of these theories are connected depending on how you look at them, and that will be mentioned in a separate part. I will not be doing the, um, oh, hold on. Sorry, I had to do a little burp. But I won't be doing all of the, oh my god, I should not have drank that root beer. Hold on. I think it was a false alarm. Either that or throw-ups building up. That's a little TMI. I'm sorry. Um, the All the theories are connected. Blah, blah, blah. I already said that. I forgot what I was saying. So I'm just going to get into the like first theory. Uh, the first theory is that the Wendigo is a spirit. The theories of spirit possession and the mental illness can go hand in hand depending on what you hear. And I'll go into that later. But for now, I'm only going into the singular theories. I think I already said that. Yeah, I'm just reading what is written. Hope I said that right, because lately I've not been saying things right. Uh, The spirit theory. The explanation behind this theory is that when somebody were to commit a crime of cannibalism, they would become possessed by a cannibalistic spirit called the Wendigo. The spirit would then cause its victim to develop an insatiable hunger for meat, especially human flesh. 
there's another side to this theory. It's still, like, possession. Uh, the other side of this theory is that when somebody goes in, goes out into the woods with other people or even by themselves, they get possessed by a spirit of the Wendigo, and it causes them to become cannibals. They get possessed by the creature because they are weak from starvation, and they're just not it. So, that was the first theory. Now, if you can tell, the theory pages are not the, the pages that are taking up the most space. But, yeah, that's the first theory. I'm going to take breaks in between each theory so that I can catch my breath, because for some reason, whenever I talk, I run out of breath. So the next theory is one that is a more popular theory. Uh, there's more on it, but I think I wrote more stuff on the mental theory. It's not as popular as the creature one. But the second theory is that the Wendigo is a it, is that its own physical being, that it's its own creature, like Bigfoot is, or even an alien. But um, it's it's basically just not a spirit. The theories of possession and the creature can go hand in hand depending on how you look at it. I don't know why I keep writing that. That is not important because I will go into that later. I guess it was just to remind myself. I don't know. Um, but I wrote down in a little bubble that it gives off a god-awful smell. I forgot to write that down in the descriptions. But if there's something that you know about the Wendigo that I forgot to mention... I guess feel free to email me. I don't know what much you can do. I mean, I, I will be able to say that you can comment it down below whenever I start the YouTube channel, but until then, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so, the creature theory. The explanation of this theory is A, already given, and B, in the title of this theory, but I will reiterate it. The Wendigo, for this version, is essentially an animal that has an appetite for human flesh and that lives slash resides in the northeastern United States. The description about to be given was pulled from Wikipedia. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emanci emaciation. It's desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones with its bones pushing out against its skin its complexion the ash gray of death and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets the wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently deserted from the grave disturb i don't even know what i wrote oh, God. now since that wasn't very clear because of the big words I kind of had to look up the big words because I'm not the smartest one in the box. Um, but once I did look up those words, I put this together. The Wendigo is a pale, ash-colored creature that looks so starved to the point where its bones are looking like they are about to rip out of them. They look weak, but are actually... But, like, okay, I wrote this part. This isn't in the Wikipedia description, but... Um, I I remember reading that they are actually surprisingly strong. Uh, 
The Wendigo may look starved, but it actually has an undying need for human meat or human flesh. Uh, something that I wrote um, is another way that it can be described. It's like really short, really simple. It can be described as looking about the exact same as that, like the original description, but its head is a little different. Its head is more of a deer. It has antlers. And I did not realize that until recently when I was doing research for this. But yeah, the the Wendigo is basically not the most appealing thing that you want to see. And it would, I would assume it's not a very good thing to take on a date. Okay, so the next theory, this episode, like, this part of the episode might sound a little, like, scratchy, but that's because I have to quickly read a screenshot. Hold on. Let me find it. Literally. Okay. Wendigo psychosis, yeah. Wendigo psychosis is described as a culture-bound syndrome. In some First Nations communities... Other symptoms, such as insatiable greed and destruction of the environment, are thought to be symptoms of Wendigo psychosis, as well as some cases. As well, in some cases, a Wendigo psychosis can be cured by the ingestion of fatty meats. That is what I found on Google and like Wikipedia. Oh my God, I am so out of weight. I'm out of smarts too because that did not sound right at all. But, um, yeah, the final theory is one that's very long since it is not very long since it doesn't have much factual backing. Like it, from what I could find, it didn't have that much factual backing. So needless to say, this theory will possibly be much shorter than the other two. The mental illness theory, um, the name of the mental illness, um, but it's, it's like Wendigo psychosis. I'm tired when I'm doing this, so I'm starting to be a little delirious. So, ignore that. Wendigo psychosis, like other theories, resulted in cannibalism. Uh, it was something that would have developed a lot like PTSD or something along that line. Uh, if you were to sit in a room by yourself in the dark with absolutely no way for sound or light to come through you would begin to go crazy. That's essentially the same thing that happens during Wendigo psychosis. Wendigo psychosis develops by a person being trapped or stuck in a specific environment or and or building for a long period of time without any food, usually in the woods. It usually takes place in the woods around like the Great Lakes or again, Northeastern-ish America, I guess, or I guess... It could just be, like, Northern America, because some, like, stories I've heard are in, like, the Northwestern, too. It's, I'm guessing it's just, like, in the more Northern parts of America. Sorry, my sister was just, like, banging on her door or something. The long period of time with no food would drive the victim of mental illness insane. They would begin to dream slash fantasize of eating human meat. They would like, yeah, it would just be really disturbing. If they had somebody with them, there was a 
pretty decent chance that they would try to eat that person, and it didn't matter who it was to them. There was a way of treatment that the Algonquin people would use. The victims would be treated by their village shaman if they were part of a tribe. If not, I guess they were screwed. The treatment for the psychosis included isolation and being force-fed fats. Force-feeding was an attempt to satiate the victim and sometimes to induce vomiting. Vomiting was used to expel the Wendigo's heart of ice. The heart of ice had to be melted to prevent its return. The treatment was obviously pretty unconventional for today's standards of medicine, but I can see where they got it from. Like, I can see what their thinking behind it was. The treatment, as you could probably tell, had a very, very low success rate. In a study, I can't remember what the study was or like what it was titled, but in a study, only one out of 70 cases were able to make a full recovery. Or no, not one. 10 out of 70 cases. Oh my god. Some who didn't get better were removed from the village and others begged for death. Now there aren't many cases of the Wendigo psychosis, so for the sake of time, I will not be going in, I will not be going over any cases. Well, I guess I kind of did at the end. Like I wrote down a case that was kind of Wendigo psychosis. But yeah, I'm guessing that there's not many cases because, um, you know, we are not able to get lost very easily nowadays. I mean, people still do get lost, but it's not very common to get lost in the woods as it was back in, like, the, I guess, like, 1700s, 1800s. Um, if anybody, like, wants me to find any cases of alleged Wendigo psychosis, just, like, go over to my email. Uh, it will be linked in the description of the episode, but just, uh, email me and ask me if there's any specific ones you want or if you just want one in general. Uh, that is the end of the, uh, third theory, or, like, the last theory. Okay, so, this part is gonna be, like, in very short segments, so it might get annoying, but I don't care. It's gonna give me a good chance to catch my breath in between each one. But this is the, how they correlate section or how they relate to each other so the first theory like the first one that kind of correlates with each other like the first ones that correlate with each other is the spirit like the theory of the spirit possession and then the wendigo psychosis the native algonquin people believe that the wendigo psychosis was the same thing as spiritual possession one theory that i personally have that could connect to both of these Oh my god, I didn't even finish that. One theory that I have personally about the spirit in the Wendigo, or Wendigo psychosis, is that... I still remember what I was going to write, though. Um, is that they sort of lead to each other. So the Wendigo psychosis leads to the spiritual possession. Like, I'm a pretty open person when it comes to, like, the spiritual stuff. I'm a pretty open person, if you have not yet been able to tell... So that's a personal theory. I would hate to, like, even think that there's an actual Wendigo spirit that possesses people and causes them to eat other people. But 
I mean, like, all myths have some sort of truth. But that's the end of the first correlation. The second correlation is that the spiritual possession and the creature theories are related. Um, if my voice sounds like it's go like a little off, that's because it kind of is. I went downstairs and put my soda up so that I could save it for tomorrow since I do not want to be staying up all night. It's like 9.30ish right now. And I personally do not want to wake up delirious um, for my first period tomorrow. I mean, I... I do, I'm on the virtual thing, so I can stay asleep until my class, like, actually starts, but I still don't want to be delirious whenever he starts doing stuff. But the second correlation is that the spirit and the creature theories are related to each other. A lot of people believe that the spirit possession and the creature theories are related. They believe that the Wendigo spirit possesses those that are starving and cause them to eat other people. Over time, the possessed would turn into the creature after eating somebody, and from what I've heard, they live an abnormally long life. Oh my god, kind of like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. If you like Lord of the Rings, we are going to be automatic best friends. I'm not like, a, I'm not like nerdy nerdy for that stuff, but I still, hand to God, am so thankful that it is in my life. Uh, there wasn't one, there wasn't one that I could find that connected just the mental illness and the creature theory together. So there isn't going to be one like that. There's only going to be three correlation theories. Wow. I feel like the second correlation theory was like really short compared to the first one. So, the final correlation theory is that all of them are related. Um, so, this is the last correlation theory, and I kind of just came up with it. Or, like, as I'm writing these notes, I just came up with it. I'm sure that somebody else has come up with a similar theory, or if not, this exact same theory. Or maybe I read it somewhere and I just think that I came up with it. Because that very well could be possible. But, um... So, like, I'm, I'm, like, absolutely not taking credit for this. I kind of did. I, I will not take any credit for this. Uh, the theory is that somebody who is out, out alone and starving develops the psychosis, eats somebody, becomes possessed as a result, and over time, and within a possible, and with a possible addition of bodies, they turn into the creature. Um, this one was pretty short, but, I mean, like, I, if you want to, like, put all the theories together, I mean, I guess it could make sense if you believed in this stuff. So, yeah. The, I mean, it would be a little creepy to think that, like, you can become a monster because of a, okay, that's poor choice of words. I will not finish that sentence. And I will finish this right now but like it is now time to get into the stories now this will take a while to do
Okay, so it is now time to get into the stories. Uh, I will be listing the channels that I found these stories on. All the stories, like, all of the stories will be possibly false. Like, the first one is an actual true case, but, like, the other two, they, there's a chance that they are real, but I would take the stories um, credibility with a grain of salt considering that I found them on YouTube and that I I do not know where they found the stories so those stories may not be real so the first story there may be a good bit of potential cussing for this one because like I tried my best to like bleep it out as I was writing it down but I might accidentally let slip a few ones but yeah and this it has some pretty disturbing accounts in it so if you were not disturbed or if you were slightly disturbed from the earlier session of this podcast then you might want to turn away now because this episode or this portion of the episode involves uh, children and cannibalism so I would really take that into consideration before you listen to this part. And I will let this go out for a few more seconds so you can decide, or maybe you can pause, but whatever. Okay. So, this first story will not be in first-person narrative. It is a true case. The- these are the credits. Like, this segment is gonna be listing the credits. I will take another break. It'll probably be long on my part, but not so much for you guys, because I'm literally just clicking a button, pause and resume. But the channel is literally called Wendigo. The video title is Swift Runner, The Case of Wendigo Possession, and it was published on YouTube October 24th, 2019. All of these are true events, so you might want to, like, this is your last chance to turn the video off if you are squeamish or anything like that. But yeah, I will pause this and be back shortly. It takes a very special person to willingly murder your family, but it takes somebody that's truly a monster to cannibalize and eat your own children. So today, we're going to take a look at the incredibly gruesome murders committed by the cannibal Swift Runner. During the the month of March 1879, Swift Runner appeared at the Roma Catholic Mission of St. Albert. Swift Runner had spent the winter around... around Sturgeon River Country with his family, just 15 kilometers north of St. Albert. The hunting party consisted of his mother, brother, wife, and six children. Unfortunately for Swift Runner and his family, the hunting had never been this bad for them. Runner claimed that within two months, a large portion of their food and provisions had been exhausted. 
During the months after, the hunting party would forge an attempt to trap small animals in order to survive. When the supplies of squirrels have become depleted for the f- when the supplies of squirrels have become depleted, the family took to eating their rawhide tent for nourishment. This ultimately only served to prevent the inevitable as the f- their first child, the youngest of six, died from starvation. Shortly after, Swift Runner's mother and brother left the camp to find food, but were never seen from again. As their, as their remaining five children died from starvation, the grief-stricken mother, consumed by despair, chose to commit suicide, leaving only Swift Runner as the sole survivor of his family. This story is an absolute heartbreaker to me. The thought of losing your entire family within one winter is something I don't think a lot of people can fathom. Now, there's just one particular thing that this story... Now, there's just one particular thing about this story that is wrong. It was a freaking lie. Shortly after, Swift Runner arrived in St. Albert. Other locals started... Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Quick break. There's a lot of stuttering in this. Oh, oh my god, there's a bug. Um, because I'm, like, reading this off of my notebook, and it's kind of dark in my room, and I don't feel like turning on the big light. But, yeah. Sorry for the long pause, but I kind of lost where I was, and I decided to, like, pause the recording until I found it, and I did. So, shortly after Swift Runner arrived in St. Albert, other locals started sharing conflicting information that directly contradicted Runner's claims of poor hunting. The other clear issue is that he weighed over 200 pounds. You definitely can't call it a genius moment when someone claims to be a victim of starvation, yet they clearly look the farthest thing from it. So on the afternoon of May 25th, 1879, some local children went to speak with Father Chemist, one of the people in charge of the mission at that time. They were asking permission to accompany Swift Runner to the north. Wisely, Father Chemist denied these children permission and took his suspicions to the barracks of Fort Sus. Sustachon. Sustachon. Probably mispronouncing that. Uh, poo. Son of a cracker. Upon hearing Father Chemist's suspicion, Sud Inspector Gagnon sent both Sergeant Richard Steele and his interpreter Brazo to St. Albert in order to interview Swift Runner. However, Sergeant Steele was not convinced by Swift Runner's story, and on March 27th, he was arrested and taken to the barracks at Fort Saskatchewan. While Swift Runner was at the barracks, he was able he was unable to convince Sud Inspector Gagnon of his family's demise. So, in the morning of June 4th, Swift Runner and the police from the barracks start to head north toward Swift Runner's camp. During the time traveling, Swift Runner's comp- composure started to change. As the party got closer to Swift Runner's camp, he tried to escape on two separate occasions. It then became evident that he was also leading them in circles. 
the way he, they convinced Swift Runner into compliance was something they called strong medicine. The interpreter Brezzo created a mixture of brewed I can't I couldn't hear if it said tea or teeth and I didn't think to put the closed captions on. So I'm gonna say it's teeth because this story is already morbid as it is. And freaking tobacco. After drinking this concoction from the bowels of hell, his mood changed and he began to lead the party towards the camp. On an island in the middle of the lake, police and Swift Runner entered the camp. As the police began their investigation, they noticed the skulls of eight people and human bones surround, around the campfire. It became clear fast that Swift Runner's story didn't add up. While the police were investigating the camp, they noticed that no predation, no predation from animals was present, and the tent Swift Runner claimed they had eaten was almost fully intact. Shortly outside the fire pit, police came across a kettle full of human fat. Clearly convinced that Swift Runner had committed murder, Sud Inspector Gagnon ordered all evidence be brought back to Fort Saskatchewan, where Swift Runner would be held responsible for the family's murder. On August 16, 1879, Swift Runner was tried for the murder of his family. During his trial, Swift Runner changed his story and admitted to murdering five of his six children, as well as his wife, the as well as his wife. The trial only lasted two days and the jury took 20 minutes to convict Swift Runner of the murders, including those of his mother and sibling. The judge then sentenced Swift Runner to, hi- to hang on December 20th, 1879. Now where this story starts to get really messed up was during Swift Runner's time before his execution. After Swift Runner had been convicted, Father Chemist visited him almost daily. During his visits, Swift Runner told Father Chemist how he was plagued by nightmares of the Wendigo. It wasn't until Swift Runner was visited by Father Leduc that he was able to rid himself of these nightmares. Father Leduc convinced Swift Runner that the only way that he could be free was if he told the that is that was if he told the truth about his family. What I'm about to read is a confession that Father Leduc was able to record during one of his visits to with Swift Runner. Now, this confession is one of the worst freaking things I've seen, regardless of how atrocious this crime is. I've decided to read it in its entirety. Entirety. There is no better way to understand the s- severity of this crime than to hear what happened from the killer's perspectives. Okay, I'm going to put a quick pause on this so that I can catch my breath, and then we can continue reading the confession. We were camped in the woods about eight miles from here. In the beginning of winter, we had not much to suffer. Game was plenty. I killed many moose and five or six bears, but about the middle of February, I fell sick, and to complete our misfortune, those with me could find nothing to shoot. We had soon to kill our dogs and lived on their flesh while it lasted. Having recovered from my weakness, I traveled to a pass to a post in the Hudson's Bay Company on the Athagasca River 
and was assisted by an office by the officer in charge and returned to my camp with a small amount of provisions that did not last us long we all that did not last us long we all that is my mother wife and six children three boys and three girls besides my brother and i began to feel the pangs of hunger my brother made up his mind to start with my mother in search of some game I remained alone with my family. Starvation became worse and worse for many days. We had nothing to eat. I advised my wife to start with the children and follow the snow and tracks of my mother and brother, who perhaps had been lucky enough to kill a moose or a bear since they left us. For my part, for my part though, weak, I hoped that remaining alone, I could support my life with my gun. All my family had left all my family had left me with the exception of a little boy, 10 years of age. I remained many days with my boy without finding any game and consequently without having a mouthful to eat. One morning I got up early and suddenly an abnormal thought crossed my mind. My son was lying down close to the fire, fast asleep. Pushed by the evil spirits, I took my poor gun and shot him. The ball entered to the top of his skull. Still, he breathed. I began to cry, but what was the use? I then took my knife and stuck and sunk it twice in his side. Alas, he still breathed, and I picked up a stick and killed him with it. Then satisfied my hunger by eating some of his flesh and lived on that for some days, and, tra- and extracting even the marrow from the bones. For some days afterwards, I wandered through the woods. Unfortunately, I met my wife and children. I said to them that my son had died of starvation, but I noticed immediately they, that they had suspected the frightening reality. They then told me that they had not seen either my mother or brother. No doubt both had died of starvation, otherwise they would have been heard of. As it, as it is now, seven months since then, three days after joining my family, the oldest of my boys died. We dug a grave and buried him. We were then reduced to boiling some pieces of our leather tent for our shoes and buffalo robes in order to keep ourselves alive. I discovered that my family wanted to leave me from fear of meeting the same fate as my boy. One morning, I got up up early and I don't know why I was mad. It seems to me that all the devils had entered my heart. My wife and children were asleep around me. Pushed by the evil spirit, I took my gun, placed the muzzle against her, and shot her. I then, without delay, took my hatchet and massacred my three little girls. There was now but one little boy, seven years old, surviving. I awoke him and told him to melt some snow for water at once. The poor child was so weakened by long fasting to make any reflection of the frightened spectacle under his eyes. I took the bodies of my little girls and cut them up. I did the same with the corpse of my wife. I broke the skulls and took out the brains and broke up the bones to get the marrow. My little son and I lived for seven or eight days on the flesh. I I eating the flesh out of my wife and children, he the flesh of his mother and sisters. At length, I left there all the bones and started with the last of my family. Snow began to melt now. Spring had commenced. Ducks arrived and flew every day around us. 
and I couldn't find and I could find enough to live upon but I felt reluctant to see people I then told my son that after some days we would meet people they will know very soon that I am a murderer and they will certainly make me die as to you there there is no fear say all you know no harm will be done to you one day I had killed many ducks I was a few miles from Egg Lake where my, some relations of mine lived. I was sitting the camp I was setting sitting at the campfire when I told my son to go and fetch something five or six paces off. At that moment the devil suddenly took possession of my soul, and in order to sur- to live longer far from people and to put out of the way the only witness to my crimes, I seized my gun and killed the last of my children and ate him as I did the others. That is the confession that he did. Okay, so at the end of that confession, I noticed that I was stuttering a lot, so I apologize if you weren't able to like understand it all the way. That is on me. Also, the wording in that confession was a little weird, so there's that part too. But here is the rest of the story. There's not much left. Uh, hold on. On December 20th, 1897, Swift Runner was led to the gallows in Fort Saskatchewan. As he was led to the trap, Swift Runner thanked the police, then the fathers, for their time during his incarceration. Shortly after Swift Runner finished speaking, the trap sprang open, instantly killing him and finishing the first legal hanging under the Northwest Mounted Police. The crimes committed by Swift Runner are some of the worst I have ever heard of, although it can be argued that people like Robert Picton or Jeffrey Dahmer could be considered exponentially worse. The cruel act of murdering and eating your children is beyond moral comprehension. I didn't include all the all the like video be- for like the sake of time, but that was essentially the rest of the story. This was story number one. Uh, I was initially gonna do four stories, but for the sake of time, I only ended up like watching videos for- of two more stories. Uh, so yeah, this is the end of story number one. Okay, so this is story number two. The these are the credits. The chan the YouTube channel is called Entropic Society. E N T R O P I C Space Society E S O I E T E T Y S O C I E T Y can't even spell right lord uh the video title is called three scary wendigo stories now i only ended up writing down two of the three stories i didn't even listen to the last one because i was like being i was like pressing myself for time but this is the first story it was published around like november december of last year it didn't exactly tell me when it was uh so this is the beginning of the story. Quote, 
The story I'm about to tell you is quite startling. A couple of years ago, back when I lived in the woods, I had a very close call with something coming into my house. At that time, I was working the late shift down at the local gas station, which meant I got off around 11 o'clock. Whenever I'd get off, it would be a, it would be pitch blackout, making my drive into the woods all the more creepy. I lived about 20 minutes away, 10 of which were in the woods. At this time, I had no neighbors, but I did have a college roommate of mine that would often swing by from time to time. One evening, when I was pulling up into my driveway, I was shocked to see that my front door was wide open. I got out of my car hesitantly, using my cell phone as the as a flashlight. The first thing that came into my mind was that someone broke into my house, but then I realized how unlikely that was. It was probably my old college roommate forgetting to lock the door, and a gust of wind must have blown it open. This wouldn't be the first time he has done something like this. As I got closer to my door, I was able to detect a smell that got that I can't really describe, but nonetheless, it was terrible and very unique. The door being opened and the smell made me feel very uneasy. I slowly entered my darkened home with the great caution with the feeling that at any moment something could jump out and attack me. Thankfully, once I turned on the lights and, and, and it revealed that there was nothing there, I then entered my home, closing the door behind me and locking it. I did a quick walkthrough my of my house, just making sure that there was nothing else lurking in the shadows. Thankfully, my search yielded no, no new results. I then took a shower and got ready for bed. Instead of falling asleep quickly like I normally do, I was kept awake with the thought that there was still something hiding in my house. After about 30 minutes, I fell asleep. A couple hours later, I slowly wake up. I wasn't altered by a loud by a bang by a bad dream or a sound, but rather a smell. The exact smell that was there when my door was wide open. I slowly get to my feet and make my way over to the door. As I'm walking, I can hear sounds coming from downstairs. It sounds like something is thrashing around looking for something. I idiotically make my way towards the stairs, turning on the hallway light as I go. Once I turn on the hallway light, the sound downstairs immediately stops. I had unknowingly made my presence known. The very brief silence is immediately replaced by more thrashing heading towards the stairs. I decide that I didn't want to wait and see what was what it was that was making the noise downstairs, so I immediately turned tail and ran back to my room. The way my hallway is set up upstairs is that there is a bedroom, a bathroom, and then my room. I was able to enter my room and close the door behind me while locking it before the thing was able to make it up to the top of the stairs. Thankfully, whatever it was decided to enter the other room first instead of mine. This gave me enough time to hide in the crawl space in my closet. The crawlspace the crawl space was pretty well hidden. You wouldn't be able to find it unless you made unless you moved around some clothes. I could hear the door to my room. I could hear the door to my room being opened and something very large walking walking in. I could hear furniture being moved, items being thrown. The worst part about all of this was the smell. The smell was absolutely terrible, 
and stronger than, than ever at this moment. It finally dawned on me to call 911. When I went to do so, I couldn't find my cell phone. I must have left it behind in all the rush. I then heard the closet door being opened and hearing something very large stepping inside. A part of me wanted to peep out and see the intruder that was in my home, but I didn't want to risk being seen. I sat quietly as the intruder rummaged around my closet, thankfully not finding me. I was able to hear the intruder's breathing. It sounded as if whatever the person... Oh, it sounded as if whatever the person had bad asthma or a smoking problem because they were hacking and wheezing. It definitely sounded unnatural. The intruder left my closet and went back downstairs. At this moment, I took it upon myself to find my cell phone and call 911. Throughout the call, I was able to hear the intruder downstairs. It was pacing around and moving items as if it was looking for something like or someone. I did my best throughout the call to stay quiet while telling the dispatch where I was and what was happening. They told me to go back and hide in the closet, which I did, and wait for the police to come. By the time they arrived, whoever was in my house was long gone. I didn't leave the closet until the police came to get me. I could tell that they were very surprised to see me okay, and they kept asking me over and over again if I was hurt, which obviously I wasn't. The police escorted me out of my home, and I was able to see how messy the house was and it was very trashed something i noticed was interesting something i noticed that was interesting was what looked like blood all over my furniture why was there blood on my furniture i thought the red substance was all over my home and i was quite concerned as to what it was i guess that explains why the police thought i was injured I went outside and sat in one of the cruisers. The police gave me the option to end, to either stay at my house or come down to the precinct and stay the night there. I obviously chose the second option. Okay, so I'm going to take a pause before I continue the story to catch my breath and to get something to drink. Fast forward two years, I had moved from my house that w- that I was once living in, and I was living on the other part of town. For whatever reason, I was driving near my old house near the woods, and something in the road caught my eye. There was something pale hunched over in the middle of the road. I was about 50 yards away, and I couldn't really make out the details of what was in the middle of the road. But there was something I did recognize, the smell. It was the very same smell I smelt that night. That night, that intruder entered my home, and that experience was brought to my mind. I slowly inched closer with my car. I was wanting a better look at whatever it was in the middle of the night, or in the middle of the road. At first, I thought it was a person. I could only see its back, but the closer I got, the more I realized that it wasn't. Its limbs and arms were terribly distorted, and its legs bent backwards like a goat, and the 
and the thing was pretty tall, even though it was hunched over. Whenever I was able to see it perfectly, it was as if it knew, and it stood up. The creature was about eight feet tall. Its skin looked old and wrinkly. Everything about it looked human, except for its head. Its head was that of a deer, or maybe an elk, and all the skin and flesh had withered away from it. I was able to see it perfectly for a few seconds before it ran off into the woods, but the very image of this thing will haunt me forever. Could this creature be the thing that entered my home that one evening, or maybe these two events are unrelated? Regardless, ever since then, I never go near the woods at night. Okay, so this was story number two. This may or may not be real, since I got it from a YouTube channel, and I'm not sure where they got it from. So it is up to you to decide. Okay, this is the third story. This is the final story that I will be doing in this episode. I won't be giving like the credits and anything or anything for this story because it's on the same video as the second one. So if you want to hear both of these stories and then the last one that I'm not mentioning in the story for the sake of time. Um, sorry, I just got a text. Uh, if you, I don't even know what I was saying. Let's just get into the story. This story was told to me in 2009. I was a freshman in high school and it was Halloween. Halloween just happens to be my favorite holiday. Anyways, I walk into my English class, which was my last period of the day. My eccentric teacher had all of the lights off, which with a stool in the middle, with a stool in the middle of the room. On the stool was a single candle that was lit. Next to the candle was a bowl of candy with our favorite candies inside. My teacher, who was kind of a goofball, was wearing a cool witch hat. Once everyone sat down inside the class, my teacher held a candle and sat down on the stool. She told us that instead of doing classwork today, we were going to share the scariest stories that we knew in return for some candy. My teacher started the stories with the famous urban legend with the man with the hook for a hand. Most of my classmates had heard that story before, but nonetheless, we enjoyed hearing it again. My classmates then took turns telling their stories. Some stories were spooky while others were kind of lame, but none of them compared to one story I heard. The story came from one of the redneck kids in my class. He was mostly quiet and didn't really talk much. That's why we were we were kind kind of surprised that he wanted to share one of the stories. Anyways, here's his story. His father and his uncle both had a cabin that they would use to go hunting up in the winter. The cabin was up north and kind of up in the hills. To get to the cabin, you'd have to drive about two hours deep into the woods, most of which was on a dirt road. Off the dirt road a little bit was about a 15-minute hike to the cabin. The cabin was pretty secluded. He said that his family used the cabin mainly for hunting. 
The story then took a weird turn when the father and the uncle and the story returned for the evening after a long day of hunting. As they were walking down one of the hills to get to the cabin, the uncle in the story noticed a light coming from the cabin. Not just one light, but multiple. The lights were torches. There was a cult performing a ritual just outside the cabin. The dad and the uncle took position behind a tree and aimed their guns down at the cult. The cult was chanting something, but they couldn't really understand what it was. After a few minutes of watching what was happening, they noticed a large figure stepping within the view of the cult. It was a strange monster, unlike anyone had ever seen. It was tall and pale and had very long talons for fingers. The head of the creature looked like a goat due to its horns. When the creature got close enough for, to the cult, the chanting stopped. The creature appeared to be taking the creature appeared to be talking to the cult members. At that very moment, out of nowhere, the uncle opens fire on this creature and hits it a couple times. The father does the same. The father and the uncle only aim at the creature and not the cult members. The creature lets out a terrible scream and takes off into the night. The rest of the cult members run off into the woods, never to return. The father and the uncle didn't stay the night in the cabin. Instead, they took off down the trail and made it back to their cars. The whole time, they were able to hear the creature screaming off into the distance. The guy's father asked the uncle, Why did you shoot, the, shoot at that creature? And the uncle responded, I'm pretty sure that was the devil. The entire, the entire class, classroom's mouths were wide open with amazement. That was the heck. That was one heck of a story, and I think about it often. What is really out in the woods? That was story number three. Uh, I will take a brief moment to catch my breath again because I don't really do talking for that long, as you can tell with all the stuttering. Okay, uh, this is my outro. Uh, as you can probably tell, I don't have a usual outro that I do. I just do whatever comes to my mind. So, at the time of writing these notes, I wrote down that there aren't really any songs stuck in my head. But, actually, there are a few songs stuck in my head. They're all Olivia Rodrigo songs. I don't really listen to... Uh, songs like uh, Olivia Rodrigo's but I kind of really like her new album but Enough For You is stuck in my head along with Traitor Traitor's the one that's like really stuck in my head uh, I think I already said this but to those who care I am very sorry that this episode came out as late as it did I don't think that if like if anybody does care I don't think that they're too angry because one time I kind of went a week without uploading an, an episode. But if you are upset, I am very sorry. Uh, another thing that I might start doing is telling you guys what books I'm reading uh, as of the time that the episode comes out. So this week I'm reading a book that Sierra is letting me borrow called Teach Me to Forget. Now, I haven't gotten very far in it, or I didn't get very far into it whenever I wrote these notes. I, Since then, I got, like, 
I'm almost done with it. I'm not gonna tell what it's about. Like, I won't read the title. Or, oh my god. I won't read the plot or anything. Just to, like, keep spoils out, I guess. But, yeah. Ow! That hurt. Okay. I'm awake now. Sheesh. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm gonna pause this really quick. So that I can, like, find my email. So I can say it out loud for you guys. Oh! Oh! No. I don't need to do that. I already did that. Huh. Past me thought. Who'd have thunk? Uh, if you want to email me for future podcast ideas, I will link the email in the description. But... I will also say it out loud in case you don't feel like reading the description, I guess. The email is mysteriesmonsters2 at gmail.com. All lowercase, no underscores, no spaces, nothing. Uh, And it's the number two, not the letter. Or not like the word two, it's the number two. uh, Somebody has already emailed me, and as of now, that will be the topic of... The next episode. The next episode will be Conspiracies on the Death of Marilyn Monroe. That episode might not come out for a while because there's like, it's like the end of the school year, there's testing. Another way that you can support me if you want is by following my Instagram. Again, this is like a very cheesy way of saying this, but like, uh, if you want to, you can follow my Instagram at Monsters Mysteries. 384. Again, all under case, all lowercase, the numbers 384, and no spaces, no underscores, nothing. That's just something that you could do if you wanted. Uh, I will also start trying to upload on Fridays instead of Sundays. So, because like I started thinking about it, and I think that it would make more sense to have the weekends for research and then like if there's anything else that I need to oh my god my sister has a friend over and it I I don't know if they're dying but I don't hear any more screaming anyhow uh yeah I'll start trying to upload it on Fridays but probably after this next episode the Marilyn Monroe episode I won't really be uploading much, if at all, because I have end of course exams, I have like testing, I have like uh, grades that I need to get done with, so uh, I am talking with Sierra right now and we're, I'm like trying to see if she can like send me some Reddit no sleep stories or just like scary Reddit stories in general, but yeah, after the Marilyn Monroe episode, I already, yeah. I will not be uploading much due to schoolwork. Uh, yeah. I think that that is everything that I was going to mention in today's episode. I will see you guys next time. And the next episode will not be uploaded this Friday, but most likely next Friday. Just so that I have time to research and everything. My The person that emailed me, she was kind enough to... S- send like links and stuff like links to do different research 
and the like i'm not saying that you guys have to do that if you want to email me if you want to email me some topics that is fine i have like a list of topics already that i could do but if you have something that you want i can look into that and that is all for today's episode uh bye